Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Welcome to the 16th episode. It is May 18th, and this is Pine Tar for Breakfast. I'm your host, Kevin Franzen, and we're going to get right into it. We got ourselves a great guest, so let me bring on. By five-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glove winner, 1980 World Series champion, and the manager of the year of your Philadelphia Phillies, Larry Boa. Bo, what's going on, my man? Not much, Kev. Just enjoying the day. It's another great day here in Philly and uh, getting ready to watch the Fightings play tonight against uh, Colorado. But uh, it's been a tough week here in Philly and uh, hopefully everything will smooth out here at the end and uh, we'll win some games here for David Montgomery. Well, I was going to ask you about the team, but I mean, now that you bring it up and and I think it it should be the first thing everyone talks about. And it's a a sad thing. We all know that, but Man, does that man, like when you talk about David Montgomery, does it put a smile on your face? Whether it is in a in a light like this or just in general. Like you talk about David Montgomery and it just lights you up. I, I just want to get your thoughts, what you would like to say. Um, you've said so much and, and so eloquently uh, of late. Um, I, I just want to let you have the, have the floor. Well, Kev, you know, he's probably one of the greatest human beings I've ever met. Um uh, He's, uh, he's, if he hadn't, if you'd never met David or you didn't have the luxury of being in his company, you've missed out. Uh, uh, he never wanted anybody to call him Mr. Montgomery. It was either Monty or Dave. He knew everybody's family. He knew their children. He knew every minor league player, their families, what school they went to. Uh, he was huge in the community. I mean, uh, this guy donated so much of his time. He started out selling tickets in Philadelphia at the Vet in 1971 and worked his way up to being uh, owner of the Philadelphia Phillies. So that tells you how motivated this man was. He loved baseball. Baseball was his life. He supported every sports team in Philadelphia, whether it be the Eagles, the Flyers, the Sixers. He wanted everyone to be uh, to be victorious whenever they played. Uh, I, I can't think of one human being that ever had a bad word to say about David Montgomery. No, and, and what's crazy is that he starts in 1971 as a ticket salesman, and, and, and for if you look at it, how much it intersects with you, oh, it's your second year in the big leagues. Right. And, 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 and matter, it's like, my goodness. i say, matter of fact, he, that winner, you know, we didn't make the, the money that the players make now. No, no way. But that winner, that. That, that winner <laughs> we had most of us stayed in town, and they had us working in the ticket office. And I remember David, I was working next to David, you know, calling up people and asking if they'd be interested in getting season tickets at the vet. It was, it, I, I'd sort of sit back and think about those times, and uh, that's the very first time that I really got acquainted with Dave. Well, when you look at, at, at just David Montgomery and what he has impacted, not only, you know, it <laughs> – Meeting him like for the first time in 2011, it was at a Lehigh Iron Pigs game, uh, and and I was playing and I met him, um, and I got you know to spring training the next year and, hey Kev, what's going on? It's like, Mr. Montgomery, do not call me Mr. Montgomery. It's David. It's like I met him once, 
And then from there, it was I got to talk to him all the time, and it, every day was amazing. And you ask him about, how's your day? Well, I don't care about my day. How is your day going? And it's like, you know, there's genuine people that look at you and look in your eye and just really want to know how your day was. David was like that. Yeah, he touched a lot of lives, and uh, he never wanted to talk about himself, ever. Uh, uh, I mean, it, just, just recently, uh, I was uh, in spring training, and I happened to say, hey, Dave, how's it going? How's you? you know, he said, enough about me. Have you seen this uh, uh, Garcia shortstop that played in the Gulf Coast League last year? I'm going to myself, how does he know about Garcia playing in the Gulf Coast League? But he, he knew every player. Uh, it's amazing that how involved he got. And I think the one thing that stands out in my mind is that he got players involved with their foundations. As soon as he took over and these guys signed these big contracts, he made it very important to the players that outside of baseball, the community is very important to us. And you see Jimmy and Chooch and Howard and Utley and all the guys and, 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 and Cole Hamels, all the guys that signed those long-term contracts under Dave. They have charities that still exist in the city. Mm-hmm. And I think what stands out about that, you know, being a part of a lot of those events, um, you know, of those guys that you mentioned – it was never something like random either. It He made you think about it, and he wanted you to be passionate about that community outreach, whatever it was. If it was a charity, you better be behind it because that is what he, he wanted you to give 100, but it, was, it wasn't it was about giving 100. He wanted your passion to be involved, your love to be involved because that's what he was about. Yeah, that, that was big. Uh, uh, even back in the day when he wasn't president, they had uh, Philly caravans mm-hmm. that uh, – we used to go on in the wintertime, and Dave thought that was one of the most important things, reaching out to Philly fans in Lehigh Valley, in Redding, in Lakewood. Uh, so they, they made it a point to hit all the minor league cities that, that we're affiliated with, and we had these functions. And it was important, Dave, uh, that we that guys took time and, and went on these things because uh, the fan to him was more important than anything else. It, it didn't matter – if you sat in the upper deck or if you had a front row seat behind home plate, he treated you like you were something special. And I think that can be said about anybody. If you worked in the clubhouse, if you were vice president of the ball club, if you were treasurer of the ball club, uh, he made you feel like you were at the top of the ring. And uh, that's just how he treated people. There was nothing fake about him. He genuinely cared about everybody that he ran into. I, I, I know it's, you know, knowing him just for a few years and you knowing him for a long time. Uh, I made a statement the other day saying that like, yeah, in, in 2009, the Phillies lost the voice, but we lost our heart and soul the other day in, in the Philadelphia Phillies. It is as I feel like an, a Phillies employee and, and ex player and all that it's to continue that. And well, by the way, it's the golden rule that he lived by treat people how you want to be treated. And he treated everyone perfect. So why is it not our goal every day to, live out david montgomery's just who he was i i agree with that 100 percent. his legacy will continue forever i mean uh, he's left a mark not only in the philly organization but in philadelphia in the surrounding areas you can go to delaware you can go uh to new jersey uh and mention the word dave montgomery and it brings (laughs) smiles to people's faces absolutely that's what i love about it so okay Let's end on that part for David because we're okay. both kind of just like real, you know, we're happy on that. Right. Um, and, and let's get to this team, uh, the 2019 Phillies, and, and you and I spent so much time during spring training and talking during batting practice and watching stuff. And 25-19 um, and 19 going into today's game against the Colorado Rockies. What, what have you seen that well, – let's just start out. What, what have you seen? I, well, the one thing I, I like about our team, and I know lately it hasn't been hitting on all cylinders, our lineup is very deep. And, you know, everyone's talking about, well, Harp's not hitting. Uh, and I really believe that this lineup, if Harp goes into a, a slump, which he's been into the last two or three weeks, uh, I think this team can survive and score runs. Uh, last night he got a big double to drive in a couple runs. But for the most part, it's a deep lineup, and it's hard to pitch around every guy in that lineup. So, we're going to definitely rely on our offense for the whole year. Defensively, we have been shaky. I'm not going to lie. You've covered the team. We've been shaky lately. We've making some errors and mistakes. Not tough plays. They're easy plays, throwing to the wrong base, missing the cutoff man. 
uh, not knowing the situation. Our pitching, for the most part, I think has been very good, uh, a little inconsistent at times. But I think when you look at the National League East, I definitely think we have the best team in the National League East. I know Atlanta's got a very good lineup. I don't like their pitching. Mm-hmm. Washington got out of the gate slow. You played there. There's something always going on there. Uh, and the Mets, uh, the Mets have been off and on. So I, I definitely think we are the best team in the National League East. I do think we have to get better. I should say play more consistent baseball. We haven't really been consistent. Bo, you didn't even mention the Marlins. What is up with that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like whoever's playing the Marlins is going to have that advantage for that particular series because, in all fairness to the Marlins, they're, they're on a youth movement. Uh, I feel sorry for Don Mattingly. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, they got some good arms over there. They've got some will. great arms, absolutely. Sure you've watched them, but it's tough when you just have arms and you can't score runs. So they're going to be the team that who, who's ever playing them going down the stretch, they're, they're definitely going to have an advantage. There's no question about that. Yeah, and, and, and when you look at you know this, this roster that we have right here in Philadelphia and you see what they've been doing and you talk about the de- depth in the lineup, you talk about Bryce and his struggles. But by the way, they're in first place and Bryce has struggled. You right. know, and, and that says enough about like that shouldn't say, you know, something about Bryce. That should say everything about everyone else and stepping up. And then, you know, uh, w- when you go throughout your your teams that you were on, your most successful teams, it was about right. picking each other up. Correct. I mean, that, that right. that's a, a very good and consistent call on on very good teams. Yeah. You know, I think I think the one thing, uh, Kev, that, that, that you that you might hit on and you well know, even though Bryce is not hitting. It, it affects the way that they pitch to him. And Absolutely. then, they, of course, coming up, I think Haas, Reese Hoskins is, has done very well early, driving in runs and hitting home runs. So it's a filter-down effect. But once he, once Harper starts swinging the bat, you've seen him, and once he starts getting that streak going, I mean, he can you can jump on his back and he'll carry you for two or three weeks. And it just makes everybody's job easier. And I think we have to be very excited where we are in the – in the standings with Bryce scuffling as much as he has. And I will say this, as much as he scuffled, he's played very well in right field. He's won a couple ball games with some big, big plays in the outfield, a couple assists throwing people out at home plate. So uh, I, th- I think those are the good things that are happening with us right now. And everybody's not really hitting on all cylinders. No, it's crazy. Cause you know, as when you, when I played with him, he was 22, 23 years old and, and, the most pressure in the world is on this guy because everyone knows and wants Bryce to do this and that and all that. The ma- the maturity that I've seen from him and just in general, like the the kid, he was always an awesome kid. Like you talked to him before everyone showed up, you'd have great conversations. He and I would talk about hockey. We'd talk about anything and everything. And then whenever everyone showed up, it was like he had a, you know, all right, I got to go into game mode right now. And it'd be like it. Dude, it's two o'clock. You don't need to do that yet. Uh, but but seeing him now, and and yes, he has struggled. Yes, he has shown a little bit of frustration at times, but not. I, I would say probably the most minimum he's ever had. Uh, what I love about it is there is a genuine. This guy went four for four, carried us to victory. He is out there for him, and that that to me is so impressive from him because we know it's hard to have the world on your shoulders. He has the world on his shoulders, but he's not acting like it. I, I agree. I mean, you know, and, and, and let's face it. When you're when you get the kind of contract that he had, I mean, he's one of the best players in baseball. I would love to have that. There's there, there's going <laughs> yeah, to be a lot of pressure on you, yeah. you know. And and because you, when you go up to home plate, you don't say, "Oh, I could care less if I get a hit. I'm making. Uh, no. I got three hundred thirty some million dollars. Yeah. I don't worry about that." But he literally he cares. And the thing I like about it more than anything. A couple of times he's come up to the podium or the uh, press conference after the game and said, you can put that game on me. I left too many men on base. I got to get that runner over. I mean, he stood up for the mistakes he's made. Uh, he's taken responsibility. And I didn't see that kind of uh, maturity watching from afar when I was in Philly, in the Philly uniform, watching him in Washington. But he's taken a lot of responsibility and he's putting it on his shoulders. And uh, that's why I think he's going to come out of this and, uh, You've you've seen him. There's going to be cold streaks, and then there's going to be real hot streaks. And when he gets on those hot streaks, everybody should jump on because he can take you a long way. And when he gets on those hot streaks, if you're Reese, be ready to go. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, You brought up something that I I think a lot of us, um, it it doesn't, you don't need to be in the analytics world. You can just use your eyes. The defense has been 
Um, I feel like physically they've been better than last year, a lot better. Right. Um, Bobby Dickerson has done a hell of a job with a lot of those guys, if right. not every one of those guys and, and how he works with them. It is the baseball player. This is not a coach's thing. This is a baseball player. The mentality of pre-pitch and, and knowing where to go to the bases, like you were talking about, the cutoffs, the speed of the runner, all that stuff. In the last three weeks, we've seen more mental errors than I think we saw last year. In just a combined year, and there was a lot. I agree 100%. And the, the mentality of it is just what you said. It's going over situations before the pitch is thrown. It seems like we're going over the situation as the ball's coming to us. Mm. And we've been caught off guard a few times. And uh, last night we were very lucky. I mean, we made a couple real bad mistakes and put us in a hole early, but we responded late. Uh, we got a big home run from uh, McCutcheon. And, of course, uh, Harp hits a big double. But you you can't give real good teams uh, five and six outs. There, there's been a game, there were a couple of games against Milwaukee where we really didn't have any air registered on the scoreboard, <laughs> but you probably could have put three in one inning yeah. because of the fact that uh, the, the way the scoring, they, they determined it really wasn't a physical error, but there were mental errors. And I agree with you. It all starts pre-pitch. Who's running? What's the score? Am I playing deep? Am I shortening up? Because this guy that's hitting can run a little bit. Pre-pitch, to me, has hurt us, like you said, probably more in the last three weeks than the whole year last year. Yeah. Physically, we are better. There's no question. Yep. But mentally, we've been caught off guard, especially the last three weeks. Well, okay, so in, in I want to know your checklist. Like, literally, like if, you were to, if you're playing shortstop right now, what's the first thought that comes to your mind? Well, the first thought that comes to my mind is obviously where I'm positioning myself, going over the, the – the, uh, the uh, charts and uh, the spray charts, uh, who's pitching for us? Is he a power pitcher? Is he off-speed pitcher? What's the score? Who's the hitter? Uh, is he a pull hitter? When, they, when he gets into a hitter's count and he's sitting 3-4 in the lineup, am I going to cheat a little bit to my right? If he's a slap hitter and he's down in the count 1-2, oh, 2 am I going to go a little bit more to my left? Uh, am I, I'm going to play a little bit deeper if we have a 5- or 6-run lead. If the score's tight and we need a double play, I'm going to cheat towards the middle. Uh, let the pitcher know who's got you covering on a ground ball back to the mound. Uh, to me, those all have to – and after every pitch, you have to redo the whole thing again. It's not just, <laughs> well, let me do it one time. Because every pitch, everything changes. The count changes. You well know when you're hitting. You got the hammer when it's 2-0 or 3-1. Mm -hmm. And you, as a shortstop or middle infielder, you can see the bat speed on the guy or what he's trying yeah. to do at the plate. Uh, and it's the same way the other way. When it's 1-2 or 0-2, the pitcher has a hammer. So we, we play in a different direction. You know, we'll, we'll hit play like they're going to hit the ball up the middle or the other way. But, again, if i got a power pitcher out there and the chart says play this guy dead pull and he's blowing people away, I'm going to eliminate the chart maybe this particular day because he's got his good fastball. Guys aren't getting the barrel on the bat. I might play him a little more straight up. So these are things that, you know, it, like I said, it varies pitcher to pitch pitcher pitch to pitch inning to inning scoreboard how the scoreboard is if you're up five or down five these all come into play yeah and i think that's the number one thing is the pitch to pitch i think right. there is like a in some of these guys' minds it is one pitch okay we're set it up for the the whole thing bobby exactly. dickerson's talked to me about it he goes it look the card is one thing he goes but if your eyes show you something different that's why you need to stay in the game that's why you need to know what's going on and like i go back to college and, you know, our college coach, we were a, a top five, top ten fielding program in the entire time at San Jose State because we harped on it every day. And right. pre-pitch pre, pre pe preparation was a huge thing. And that was like the, the score, the, the speed of the runner, all that stuff, the positioning. And you're going, oh, my gosh, this doesn't happen just for a batter. It happens every pitch. You need to do this. I, but, you know, and, and that's that's really important. And I try to tell these guys when I was in, on the field – you know, if you never got one hit and you strike, you struck out four times, you really didn't run home to first because you walked from the batter's box to the <laughs> dugout. But if you played the middle of the diamond, if you were in every pitch mentally, you should be physically drained when you get to the dugout after nine innings because of all the things you got to do in the infield, cutoffs, relays, bunt plays, uh, rotation plays they put on for bunt plays, uh, covering on steals. These are things that, that – that, they wear you out mentally, and that's why you try to let these guys know that, hey, if you're 0 for 4, you can go out there and help win a ball game. I really believe 
that with our pitching staff, we don't have guys that are going to strike out 15 mm-hmm. guys a night, a starting pitcher. They're going to put the ball and play the other team, and we got to start making better decisions because I do think our offenses are big plus for us. And they're, when they start hitting on all cylinders, we're going to score some runs. But it, before that happens – we got to quit making these mental mistakes yeah. because you can't be giving teams that many outs. And that that's not being negative on the team. That is an actual fact. And it, it's like, there, there's so many people that would say, Oh, well that's the old regime. That's the old, like that's the old player saying, Oh, the defense defense. Yeah. The defense matters. And it, the, it the details matter up, uh, upon being a, a good defensive team. Now I'm not going to say the Royals are the best defensive team. They have a lot of athleticism. Numbers-wise, it says they're the best defensive team, but we saw two errors that were called hits that were, Bo, you would have been laughing. Like, you, right. Whit Merrifield had a ball at him that he, <laughs> he botched, and they gave it a hit, and you're going, you got to be kidding me. But anyway, yeah. they have a lot of range, that, but they never they never had, like, if they, they looked home and went to first, it was because they saw, they played it in, 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 their, um, in their mind when the infield was, like, at a three-depth. Right, like a, a slow right. roller. They couldn't get the guy at home, so Montesi turns, looks over to first, fires, hits the guy in the chest. They get it out. Yeah, they gave up a run, but the ball dictated to him. I can't exactly. get that guy. Exactly, and and you know, it, it, you, you obviously three run homers are great. I mean, we love three run homers. Mm-hmm. They cover up a lot of mistakes. But when you start playing real good teams and you get those good guys on sixty feet six inches out there. You're not going to get a lot of three-run homers, no. so you're going to have to execute out there and not give away outs. We're not asking them to make great plays. Make the routine plays. Be on your toes as to who's running. And you know what? If you're playing in the infield and the infield's in, if you glance over on the first or second pitch, you can tell by the runner at third base if he's going on contact oh, or yeah. not. You shouldn't be ever caught off guard on that. All you got to do is – when, you, when you're going on contact, as you well know, you've been down there and the coach says, hey, hey friend, we're, we're going on contact. You get out there a little bit farther yep. and the ball crosses home plate, then you're getting back real fast to the back. And infielders, if they're alert, the first pitch, they should just take a look over there and you can tell right away, okay, this guy's getting ready to go on contact. I got to be ready to make a play and throw the ball home. A lot of times they're not ready or they don't think he's going. They catch a ball, they're flat-footed. The guy got a good jump. And as you said, he checks him. He can't get him at home. He goes to first. It's really not an error, but it's a mental mistake. Absolutely. No, and, and as a playing third base for a long time, like just, you know, as I, I feel like it was second and third. Like those are my two positions I played so much in the big leagues and, uh-huh. and throughout pro ball. My focus, if there's a guy on third and I'm playing third base, I'm letting the guys know, like out of, out of my peripheral, if I sense that guy is kind of tense, I'll, you know, whistle out to someone right. or whatnot. What, what but it's about communication. That's the other part, you know, is exactly. are they communicating? And exactly. I don't know. I don't know. And it's like, I love Cesar. I love yep. him because I've, I've been, you know, known him since he was so young and to, to see where he's at now, offensively, he's been fantastic. Yes, he has. Defensively. It just scares he, me because he's so, it, it's like, he's timid now and you're going timidness as a defender only causes problems. Yeah, it doesn't last night. We had, a, we had a, a comebacker to the mound. And uh, uh, Irvin went to he to went to right, throw to second yeah. base, to, and he and, went to Irvin's right, and and so yeah. Segura's coming in on that play, exactly. And at first, and no, and he went to throw the ball, and nobody covered second, so he held on to it. And he ended up throwing the ball in the dirt, and the guy went from first to third. And uh, you know, a, a little play like that, you know, we we got lucky last night, and uh, because uh, it, it Gray ended up walking the pitcher. To start the inning uh, with two outs, not to start the inning, two outs, and then McCutch hits a home run to tie the game up. But you know, they they, they uh, we literally gave them a couple runs early in the game, and uh, it was just mental mistakes. And it's a shame that he got charged with the air because nobody was covering second. <laughs> and I thought it was for me personally. I thought it was impressive. He actually didn't throw it, and he threw it down. He spiked. Yeah, it. he just he tried to he, hold on to it. That that was it. impressive because I was like, oh, he noticed and recognize that both of them are staring at each other. Right. And it was like, oh, man. Uh, on the on the flip side, the positive side, Gene Segura over at shortstop, your, your main position, um, you know, you know exactly what you're looking at when you see a shortstop. I want to get your take on what he has been for you. I, I really, I, I really, Kev, I really like Gene. I, I, you know, if, if, if you have to say there's one bad thing, it might be range a little bit. But yeah. 
I think he's so smart that he looks at the charts and the cards before the game starts. I tell you what, he, what, what, what will shock you. He's got some big time pop for a little guy. He runs very good. If he hits a, a swing and bunt, you might as well put it in your pocket because he's going to beat it out. More than likely, he's going to put the ball in play with men in third base. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's hitting. He's hitting over three hundred. Uh, to me, he's he's one of the key guys that we got besides Harp and and JT and and Kutch. Uh, he's very integral part of our team, and uh, he plays the game with a lot of passion. He plays hard. Uh, I like the way he goes about his business. You can hit him first. You can hit him second. You can hit him third. No, it doesn't matter where you where you put him in the lineup. He's going to put the ball in play. He's got a good two strike approach. Uh, I think he's an integral part of our offense. Yeah, and it, he's that line to line thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's literally <laughs> line to line. Like that is how you have to defend him. And, and the two strike approach, the the choking up, in, just in general, it doesn't mean that everyone has to do it. But he no. recognizes who he is, and exactly. and I think that's the he, beauty he knows- of watching a baseball player is knowing who. Knowing thyself, as as Charlie Manuel would say, hey, that, hey, just Charlie's favorite line: <laughs> "Know thyself." And and, and uh, Segura knows he's not going to hit forty home runs, but he does have sneaky pop. Where he, I think he's going to hit fifteen home yeah, runs in our ballpark. Absolutely. But I've seen him, like you said, I've seen him go right over the first base bag, and I've seen him go over the third base bag. So defensively, it be it's a nightmare, especially in the infield. It almost looks like he gets up there and he looks around to see how they're playing him. And with two strikes, you can bet he's going to hit the ball the other way and and find holes. I like him hitting uh, hitting second. I think you can do a lot of things with him. Uh, personally, I like to see us put put guys more in motion when he's hitting uh, because he's going to put the ball in play. Yeah. Uh, but he's been a. I'm not going to say he's been a surprise because I've watched him is. the last two or three years. This guy he hits every year yeah. and, and everywhere he goes he hits. Hey, Bo. Now that we're playing the Rockies and 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 just a real, it's I don't even know why I thought of this right, but we're talking defense, um, and you see Nolan Arenado, and and we know oh. how great he is, and Trevor Story is a stud at shortstop as well, and not only is he, you talk about smarts, that guy is it feel like is always in the right spot, but I want to ask you because you play with Mike Schmidt for so long, you saw and and so many people consider him the best third baseman, him Brooks Robinson on the same page of of, of so many different right. things. Where in your mind is Nolan Arenado with him? He's he's right there defensively. He's right there. Uh, he made a play last night <laughs> that uh, Franco hit him a ball, one of those with a top spin. Yeah. I don't know how he caught it. He caught uh-huh. it down by his knee uh, with a man on third and two outs, and he you know, catches it like it was no big deal. But I've also watched this guy's work ethic when I was in uniform, how he goes out early and yeah. practices the way he does. But you can put him – I didn't get the chance to see Brooks because he was in the other league. Schmitty, mm-hmm. Schmitty was unbelievable, but I, I, I'm not saying he's better than Schmitty. No, I'm no, saying no. that I, he I don't could probably, he makes right, all the but... plays that Schmitty made. Yeah, and of course Schmitty's offense is off the charts. Yeah, and if Schmitty played in Colorado, he might have hit 700 <laughs> home runs. But uh, but he's an outstanding player, and I agree with you with Story. Story is uh, the other thing that's deceiving about Story. This guy can run a little oh, bit. Oh, he can fly, and, and he's got some big time pop. So they got a very good uh, uh, left side of the infield uh, with those two guys. They're still relatively young, and you can build around those two guys. No, the Brandon Rogers kid that they called up. I mean, he was their number one shortstop prospect, and he's a stud there. And moving him over to second, look, they lost Lemayhu, right? And and you know, Hampson uh, was good defensively, not great. But when he was struggling offensively, when they brought up this kid, I was like, oh, this is a – that's a very, very good infield. Minus D- uh, Daniel Murphy over at first, but they're a very good infield. It, it is a good infield. And, and we're sort of like – well, I don't know if he's playing tonight, but I happened to talk – I was on the field last night, and Murph, I asked him how his finger was. And he said, it's okay. He said, it still bothers me a little bit. And I, I think they gave him just a night off. But uh, you, once he gets his stroke down, you've seen him hit uh, – they're going to have a pretty good offense. Yeah. Uh, so, so you got to you got to score some runs against that team, and as you said, we can't make mental mistakes. But uh, that's a good team. They they get out of the gate slow. Yep. Let's face it. And you get out of the gate slow, and the Dodgers are playing lights out. They're probably playing for a wild card right now. It, as early as it is right now, you look at that Dodger lineup. 
it's off the charts. Their pitching's really good. So they, they've dug themselves a little hole, but uh, there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be fighting for wild cards. You know what's impressive is watching the Dodgers, and, and you know, this next trip, will obviously, or actually it's in two trips because there's a Philadelphia series involved in, in there. But uh, the Dodgers with Cody Bellinger, and to see the adjustments a player makes, and the kid has is – really 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 athletically gifted like he is fast <laughs> yeah, he, he is can, he can throw he has it all but he made an adjustment this offseason and he's now look he's got 25 walks 25 strikeouts like this guy was a almost like a 30 percent k rate last year maybe even higher he's raking lefties the, the adjustments to see guys make i i, I don't know does it make you more fired up now knowing that there's more specialization with guys that, oh yeah! That, I mean, when you see, see guys guy, make adjustments, I, I, mean, I thought he had a great year last year. Yeah, and he, and he says I got to do better. But you know what, what? What shocks me about him, Kev, is you know when you swing that hard, yeah. it's hard to have that hand-eye coordination oh. that he has. And his his is unbelievable. Well, he uses a this thirty-three and a half, thirty-one. Okay, so it's a light bat. He's not using a heavy bat. What did you use? I know, but the fact is, I've seen him hit some balls off the ground with with that vicious <laughs> swings he he takes, and the and the ball explodes off his bat but he's a force man in that lineup and uh of course they got the good arms and everything but it, it's good i think because of all the knowledge that guys have now with the sabermetrics about hitting and what pitchers throw in certain counts i'm not saying it's, it makes it easier but it, it makes them aware of what to expect during certain situations you still got to get in that box and hit it mm -hmm. but the fact that they're using the sabermetrics to that advantage i tip my hat off to guys like that because Hey, they're doing their homework and they're taking advantage of all the info that they're getting. Yeah, and I don't know, you know, we've talked a little bit about it and it's not a negative. I think information's information. It's just what right. you choose to uh go with. Uh when you look at like what what is something that you see like numbers-wise, information-wise that you see that the kid that the guys get now that you're like, "Man, I wish we had this." Well, I, the one of the things is the pitchers. They get, you know, pitchers are like everybody else. They get in there Routines. I mean, when you get a, a sheet that says 85% of the time when the count's 2-0, and you're going to get some type of breaking ball. <laughs> I mean, right away you eliminate fastball. Yep. When, you, when, you, when you do your homework or, hey, this guy likes to start off hitters 90% of the time with fastballs away or get me over breaking ball. When you get that kind of information, uh, uh, he relies on his two-center when he's in trouble. This is his out pitch with a baby, you know, when, when there's a man on third base and the infield hit. When you get that kind of information and you do your homework, man, what you do is you get up there and you just revert back to two o'clock when you came in and looked at the all the info the guys were giving you. Uh, it, like I said, it's not easy to hit, but when you have all that inf pre information, it makes it something that you can sit on some pitch. Because if a guy's getting four pitches over, but 80% of the time he's throwing this pitch when the count's two and oh. You can eliminate three of those pitches. Yeah, I, I think that's a little bit of the game that is kind of missed out on is recognizing what's going on. You know, at yep. the time, there, you you kind of solely get too much into the numbers, and it's not like we said, it's not a bad thing. It's just information. It's just what you what your eyes now have to tell you, and right. and, and certain things. I just feel like, man, just recognize this guy's not like a guy in third, especially this guy's not throwing this pitch. He's not right. going there. So you can eliminate it. Yeah. You, really, you were a good hitter coming off the bench. You would have liked that information. Oh, Every time you hit, you had to hit off of a closer or an eighth inning guy. Bo, I'm going to tell you right you, now. If you had that, if you had that information oh. that he's not going to throw this pitch to you with a man on third, man, just think of the damage you could have done even more. So there's this article that came out yesterday, um, and it was about virtual reality. And the Dodgers are using it. The Rays are using it. A bunch of teams are using it now. A couple colleges have have gone into this technology, and you put on you know your, your this headset and you go into a room. You can either have a bat, you can either just you know go a, a, a dry dry hack time, uh -huh. and you're getting that picture from the tonight. And I'm going, I've been talking about this for years. Why can't we have this as a bench guy? If I could get a thousand at bats today, or you know see a thousand pitches just today right. off of this pitcher, when I get that opportunity. And I'm not saying I'm going to get a hit off him. No, but you're going to feel gonna, a lot more confident than yeah. what you're looking for. I saw that. I was like, dang it. Someone made money off this that I should have. Well, <laughs> that'll be probably be in every clubhouse eventually. I mean, once somebody starts that, and, and obviously 
they're going to be successful with it because anytime you can do something like that, oh. you're going to have success. Absolutely. Like anything that you can mimic a, a game-like situation. I mean, you, come on. That, that is, yeah. That's cheating. No it's question. awesome. No, no question. You know, the only thing that I don't like about the sabermetric part, and it's not at the big league level, it's at the wider league level, yep. that these kids, especially I've, I've visited some of our A teams and double yep. A teams so far, they're getting wrapped up in exit velocity and launch angle. And sometimes they're so wrapped up in that, they're forgetting the game of baseball and how, what do I have to do to help win this game? Yeah, I think that it's okay if you want to look at that when the game's over, but they have these uh, computers there in the dugout mm-hmm. where they literally, after they're at bat, they can go over. I've heard them say, hey, what was my launch angle on that? And I'm, I'm saying, hey, it doesn't matter. You just flew out to center field. Yeah, But, you know, they're, they're, they're so obsessed with that because, let's face it, everybody – Hey, what's his launch angle? What's yeah. his exit velocity? Well, see, and, I'm, and, I'm okay know. with the I'm a, I'm okay with being obsessed with exit velocity because it's the same thing. If we just said just barreling it barreling up, barreling it up. I mean that, that that's the same thing. I, I yeah. Think. I mean if, if but the launch angle thing, if you get too much into that, it's like just what yeah. what needs to be taught, especially from let's go even further than, than the minor league level. Let's go to high school and little yeah. league. Don't yeah. worry about launch angle. Worry right. about knowing where the barrel is, controlling the barrel. Right. And consistently barreling a ball up. I think that is the one thing that is lost with all this stuff. That is. No question. But it isn't about, it's a negative on it. It just needs to be, you need to learn how to work the barrel before you worry about the other stuff, the, the more minute stuff. Right. And, you know, you go back when you, when you came off the bench or when you played every day, you knew when you barreled up a ball. Oh, you, didn't, yeah. you didn't know anybody to tell you, hey, your exit, you knew he had good exit yep. velocity. Yep. And, you know, to me, I, I told I, I was at double A and I was talking to Mickey Moniak. I said, hey, Mick, don't worry about that stuff. Go up there, get a good A.B., look for a certain pitch. And, and then whatever the other numbers you're, you you want to look at, wait till either after the game or come in early the next day and go over with the hitting coach. I said, you don't have to come back here after every at bat. Yeah. The, the bottom line here is we're trying to beat that other team. Don't worry about what you just did. Yeah. Worry about what I can do to help us win this ball game. But. He's a good kid, but again, now he wants to do, you know, hey, I, I got to get my exit velocity up. I, I got to want to get the ball in the air a little bit more. And, you know, going back to what Charlie said, know thyself. You're not, you're not going to hit 40 home runs. That's, that's not who you are. Yeah. Hey, uh, going with some of those minor leaguers, anyone that you've seen this year that has really caught your eye? Well, Moniak and Hazley, they're not hitting that good, but they're going to be, they're going to be good hitters. They're, they're in, uh, they're in Reading. Uh, I think they both have a good chance. There's a kid named Louis Garcia down in Lakewood. He's a shortstop. I think he's going to be an outstanding player. He only hit like uh, 390 last year as a 17 year old. Oh, he was <laughs> he's sick. And he's you know he's he, again he's real young to be playing at Lakewood. He probably should still be in the Gulf Coast League because they signed him at 16. Yeah, uh, he's a switch hitter. He can do a lot of things. He's got great hands. Uh, our pitching. Uh, we have some good arms that, that throw the ball hard. Obviously, the location's not there yet, but I haven't seen our AAA team. I'll probably when they when our big team goes on the road this week after this weekend, I'll go look at Lehigh Valley and probably go down to Clearwater. So uh, it's fun going down there to watch. I like to see guys in April and May, yeah, and then go back maybe in July and see the progress they've made or if they've regressed in any way. So uh, you know, it's hard to you only go in there for three or four days. It, it's hard to say, oh, this guy can't hit up here. Yeah, yeah. I just sort of watch how they approach the game, their work ethic, and if they get some good swings on – like Moniak barreled up some balls. He didn't get too many hits, but he had a good swing, and I was happy when I left there. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's how I've responded and talked to Andrew Knapp about a lot of things. Just I'm like, hey, you put down the right fingers. You do all that stuff. You work your butt behind the plate. Don't get result-oriented but at the plate. The yep. only result is you know when you hit a ball good. You know yeah, you by getting a walk, just one walk in your bats, your one start that week, you're fine. Like, that is a great day. And and yep. he has put up some good outings. I feel like he's he's starting to figure it out. I don't need to do this. I just need to control what I can control. Right. You know, and, Kev, you know, like you said, you can win ball games without getting hits. Like you said, you could draw a good at bat, make it a 12 or 13 pitch at bat, draw a walk. You can make a if you're a catcher, throw a guy out, steal in second base in the eighth inning. If you're an infielder, make a great play with the bases loaded. It's not all about we 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 do love to see hit. No yep. Every one of us want to go four for four, 
drive in three runs. But there's other ways to help win a ball game. Going first to third, scoring from first on a double, getting good secondary leads. These are all things that come into play that create winning type atmospheres. And I think that's what sometimes our minor league guys are getting away from is what am I got to do to win this game? It's not, oh, my exit velocity was bad or uh, I, I took too many pitches. I didn't, you know, I didn't work the count. How can I help win this ball game? And I think that's what we get away from with, because there's so much info out there for these guys. All right. So I had Burl on. I've had Kyle Kendrick on. Uh, I didn't do it with Jimmy because Jimmy was more of like a, a sudden one, so I didn't, I couldn't do all my homework on him. So I do kind of like <laughs> a, a name association. Like when I say this name, what comes to mind? Do you mind okay. playing it? All right, we'll see. All right, Dave Roberts. Uh, very intelligent. Uh, I'm not talking the manager. Oh, who are you talking about? I'm talking about a pitcher named Dave Roberts. Oh, the left-handed pitcher. Yeah, but what about him? A, a, t- a competitor. Threw good, threw a lot of strikes, kept you off balance, wasn't overpowering. Uh, and you hit your first I, big league homer off him. Did you know? I that? didn't remember that. It was was he was with San Diego then? No, he's Houston. How I don't did you remember not, that. Your first big league homer, Bo. Uh, well, was you know what, Kev? When you only when you only hit sixteen or seven, whatever. No, no, it was. no. Hey, by the way, that was the other part we we're going to talk about because when you only hit that many, well, you hit the same amount as me. So we got one thing. Yeah, but I got a whole lot more bats than you. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, so I was like thinking, I was like, man, you had an inside the park home run for your first big league homer. I had a few. In, I think I had three inside the park home runs. Well, you were fast. I was real fast. I got 2,000 hits now, over 2,000 hits, and there weren't too many home runs, so I had I got a lot of singles and doubles. Hey, you you knew you knew thyself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, so then – I was looking up some stuff, and I was like, okay, you faced, some, you faced a lot of Hall of Famers, too. Yeah, I did. And uh, yeah. now, whether you consider success or not, I counted 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 19 Hall of Famers you faced in your career. Wow. Uh, so, you want to know the toughest one? <laughs> I, wanna, I, I do. I do want to know, because in, – and in, in you had – Tom Seaver and Phil Necro, you had a combined like 248 at bats against. Wow. And they were both I mean disgusting. <laughs> like <laughs> with Necro, what did the, you But wh- the toughest the toughest pitcher. Yeah. Be, not only because of his stuff, because he was just a mean individual was Bob Gibson. Yes. I, well, I don't mean Woo. mean off the field. I mean when he was on that yep. mound, you knew that if you swung real hard and fell down, or if you tried to bunt and fouled it off, he would come down and scowl at you, say, "Swing the bat." <laughs> and you knew that if you know if you did it too many times, you'd get one in the ribs. And plus, he was nasty. I mean, he was filthy. Uh, but he was the guy that was probably the most intimidating. Um, he drilled you one time, and I, I bet oh. you. Do you remember that compared to your first homer? <laughs> I remember getting drilled by him. Yeah, no question. Yeah, no question. Yeah, uh, you were you were fourteen for sixty three, which is two twenty two, which is better than a lot of people. I'm just going to be honest <laughs> with you, because I pulled up uh, his sixty eight season two oh, days the, ago. The ERA under two. Okay, but the best part was his June and July. He went twelve straight starts, so he went six in June, six in in July. He went twelve starts, twelve and 0, 12 complete games, seventy two <laughs> innings pitched. That was insane, and he gave up six earned runs in the two month stretch. He went 12 That is and insane. And it was a four-man rotation. Oh. He had 34 <laughs> starts that year. He, had, he threw 304 innings, and you're going, wow, that's a lot of innings. He threw 314 the next year. Like, you're going, you come know, on. I, I was talking to Steve Carlton on alumni weekend. I think it was two years ago. And we were talking about innings. And he says, when these guys finish the season and they're satisfied with 150 to 170 innings, as I used to have that at the break. And I'm <laughs> You guys did. They did. I mean, it was just a different game. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. they were used to that. They pitched every fourth day. Uh, they wanted to complete the game. They weren't. They weren't on a pitch count, so the game's completely different. But yeah. those guys were tough, man. They were mentally and physically tough to hit. No, and, and I think the mental side more than the physical side. I think the mental side is the biggest change with all this. Oh. Because yeah, it, it, no and look, and it, it, it's nothing against this time or that time no, or whatever. It no. is just 
look, it's the time. That yeah, I, time. I guarantee if you ask every pitcher on the Phillies, would you like to throw a complete game? They would say yes. But because of the way the game is structured now, the bells and whistles go off at around 100 pitches. You have a five-man rotation. They want to make sure that you're strong in August and September as opposed to running out of bullets in, in July. But every one of these guys, it's not their fault that the game has changed to the point where it is now where bullpens are most teams' strength. So if you give us five or six innings, you've done your job. And, yeah. and so when you do that over the course of two or three years, mentally you say, well, that's what I'm supposed to do. Uh, but if you ask every one of these guys, I'm sure they'd like to throw more pitches and go deeper in the game. But the game's not constructed that way. No. All right, so I got two more guys for you. Uh, one okay. is, do you remember Jerry Kuzman? Yeah, I do. Left-handed pitcher for the Mets. And? Good or bad, do you think? I'm going to say I, I did okay off of him. You raked him. I did rake 27 him. for 94. You raked him. Okay. Ten, you had 10 extra base hits against him. Eight doubles, I, I, two triples. Okay. I, you know, I, 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 didn't, I felt more comfortable off him than a guy like uh, Gibson or Seaver. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Uh well, actually, I got I got two more now. It's starting now. How about Fred Norman? Couldn't touch him. Fred Norman, Screw, unbelievable screwball. Hey, uh, I would guess this Bo? is my. I think I guessed wrong every time I was up there. But you guessed you know, wrong right here because curveball, screwball. He had just enough on the fastball. If you're looking <laughs> the the the, the changeup or screwball, whatever you want to call it, hey, I'd Bo? either get jammed or be way out in front. I don't have. I don't remember having a lot of success against him. You, you were a guest. I hit a home run. Fred, I think. Yeah, you're home. you're a guest hitter against Fred, Fred Norman. So were you about your your career against him, because you annihilated him. I did. Fifteen See, for forty five. See, you know why that shocks me? Nine extra base hits. Every, every time I faced him, I'd either break a bat or you know I guess <laughs> wrong. And you know how that is. And you're looking out there and you're saying. This guy's throwing 88, oh. 89, 90, and you're saying, how, how how, am I going back and bringing it back every time? I didn't know I was that Bo, successful. Off of it. Remember Eric Stoltz, the lefty pitch? Yeah, the lefty. Oh, yeah. my God. I was one for 15 in my career against him, and I I swear to you, I hit a bullet every time. And I'm going, how? Like, they go, this guy owns you. I'm like, watch the at-bats <laughs> i'm coming back pissed because i lined out or i hit a one hopper at unbelievable a guy. Like, come on it's unbelievable um and i guess the last one i got to bring up is because he has an affiliation with the uh the phillies organizations ray burris uh i would say roughly 240 180 oh wow <laughs> sinkers high grass at wrigley field i hit the ball on the ground a lot they sucked up my real good barrel balls on the ground yeah ray burrows he had good command used both sides of the plate oh he just yeah. it seems like just a, a great teammate because you know obviously in the pen he's awesome but uh you know i just there's certain people you love and uh he's a great guy yeah hey yeah. uh real quick lee smith going into the hall of fame thoughts i mean right. i'm a i'm a huge lee smith fan love it <laughs> love it we, we, and i was i was there four years for yeah the cubs and he would be sitting, this was his routine. He would sit in the training room <laughs> and basically take his nap till the seventh inning. He'd wake up and then he'd come down, amble down through the clubhouse. And, uh, and at that time when I was there, there were no lights. So they were all day games. Yeah. And as you well know, I think you played there with day games that when that sun is halfway between the mound and home plate, very yep. difficult to see. And big Lee Arthur would come in <laughs> and be throwing BBs with that nasty slider. And usually game over. Yeah. But he had the same routine every single day. Take his nap. Seventh inning, if the score was close or we were ahead, he knew he was going to be in the game and he would go through his routine. You know, it it, it makes me happy that he's in the Hall of Fame. It makes oh, me mad yes. that it, it took this long. Because Shouldn't. you look at his numbers, you look at – he was literally – the best. And, and I had my experience when I was a giant that he was a roving pick, pitching guy and, and the stories he would tell, and he's amazing. And the best part about him, when you talk about Bob Gibson, you know, yep. giving you the action there. Well, taking batting practice off of Lee Smith was probably the greatest thing on earth. A, the ball looked like a golf ball in his hand. He had these <laughs> monstrous hands. But if you hit a homer and you stared at it in BP, 
don't. You, all you could hear is that Southern draw going, oh, I'll get your ass back in that box right now. And he'll shatter your bat. I mean, it was it was amazing. You know what else was, was great about him? Is if, if you go back and look at the video, especially in Chicago, he could paint throwing oh. that hard. He could paint. And, and they, you know, we talk about the shadows and everything. Hitters had no chance against him. I'm no telling chance. you, it was unbelievable. Well, it was like all of us were going – he literally threw three years in a row of over a hundred innings as a closer, as a reliever. Yeah, how about that? And you're going, Oh my gosh. Like, and no yeah. one's talking about that. And I guess because we're in such a self-promotion world yeah, and the branding part and, and look, I nothing against goose gossage, right? Lee Smith should have been in before goose gossage in my mind, in my opinion, it's my opinion. Yeah, they were both. I mean, they're both to me, but goose went out there both, and he they're, did. They're both he, hall of fame pitchers, but he, he went out and he did a little bit of self-promotion to get him there. At least yeah, they're going to do question. that. Yeah, Lee Smith no was never going to do that. No, Lee Smith was Lee Smith. Probably they probably had to wake him up and say, <laughs> Hey, Lee Arthur, by the way, you're in the hall of fame. Well, I am. <laughs> I, I think for all his teammates and everyone, those are the stories. I think what would be the best, come Cooper, Cooperstown is if <laughs> if you wake if, if if he were in the back taking a nap before his speech I think that would be perfect <laughs> oh he was a classy he was a great guy too well but, I, I I wasn't I didn't have the privilege of being around him as a coach for somebody told me he was a pretty good pitching uh, coach too. he was awesome I, I and, and obviously I don't know as far as being a pitcher right. but from all my buddies that were pitchers and that the thoughts that he would bring in their minds uh, the stuff that, you know, between him and Rigetti, Rigetti would go to him for some stuff, him and, uh, um, Burt Bradley, they, they had a bunch of guys there that talked and they, and Dick Tidro, they talked right. and they all learned from each other. But Lee Smith always touched on it with, with so many guys because the mentality, his mentality, yeah. you were not going to beat me. Well, I that's, how, <laughs> that's how he was. Yeah. Well, Bo, I, I appreciate you taking all this time and, uh, all right, Kev. you're the man. I, I All right. I'll, I'll see you going, uh, in uh, Philadelphia next gonna week. You're going to be on the L.A. trip? Uh, I'm going to be – yeah, so I go to Chicago, Milwaukee. I go to Philadelphia and then to L.A. San Diego. Oh, then I'll see you in L.A. San Diego because I'm going on that trip. Oh, I can't wait. You want to play cards yeah, we'll, with we'll, Yeah, we're going to have to go out to dinner <laughs> or something. Perfect. All right, buddy. Thanks, bud. Larry Boa of the Philadelphia Phillies. That's the 16th episode of Pine Tar for Breakfast. I appreciate you listening and – Thank you, Larry Boa. You're the man. What a day. Let's go get a win and uh, win this series against the Rockies. It's Kevin Franzen, Pine Tar for Breakfast. Peace. Kevin Franzen is out of here. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.